Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now it's time for the Scores Bears Post Post Game Show. Starring score football expert and former NFL player Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The grit of the Chicago Bears continuing to be tested. The grit of Bears fans being tested as well with, uh, in some ways, statistically, a historic way to lose a game for the Chicago Bears. Two-score lead in the fourth quarter. Frankly, we've seen that before. We saw that this season after an exceptional day, a day where the, the passing attack for the Bears against the Denver Broncos at home was, was even more exceptional than some of the moments we saw today. And they found a way to lose that one. But with over 40 minutes of time of possession and three takeaways, three interceptions in the game, four takeaways on the whole, the Bears still end up losing that game. With 31-26, to the Detroit Lions at Ford Field come out with a victory over the Chicago Bears. I am Anthony here. This is the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Taking you up to Sunday night football coverage here on the score between the Denver Broncos and the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, the Vikings at 6-4, and four, the Broncos at 4-5, and five, both teams feeling a level of positivity that, for the moment, evades the Bears yet again after the result we saw today. It was a, a game that, for approximately 57 minutes of game action, the Bears were in control of much of it. Didn't necessarily have the lead throughout. But we're just going score for score, slug for slug, throwing haymakers at each other. It was an imperfect game throughout. That's one thing that stood out to me for the bulk of the game. For three-plus quarters, it wasn't one of these games. The few victories that we've seen of, of recent vintage here over the last few seasons, when the Bears have won, it's been because they've won handily, but we haven't seen them have a game where everything didn't necessarily feel clean and go so well throughout and find a way to come out with a win. And this was a game where the Bears were responding in certain moments, whether it was Deontay Foreman obviously laboring through certain moments of the game or, you know, infractions where, you know, you have a, a takeaway and then a penalty puts you behind the chains or you know, certain moments where the Detroit Lions were able to respond and, and, you know, interceptions thrown by Jared Goff and their defense rising up, making some things happen. The Bears were going back and forth with the top team, in the division, on the road, in one of the most raucous atmospheres in the National Football League, and we're finding a way. Even Dan Feeney stepping in for Lucas Patrick. Oh, that was an interesting decision from a lineup perspective that we can get into over the course of the, the next 75-ish minutes that I'll be here with you. But Dan Feeney steps in at center. 
They're trying to some fig- figure some things out with the QB center exchange. But overall, the team as a whole seemed to continue to respond to the point where they had a two-score lead in the fourth quarter. And in the end, the Bears end up losing to Detroit. A- another disappointing and dejecting way for things to go down. So I've certainly got some thoughts. I would love to hear your thoughts as well. I see the phone lines already lit up at 312-644-6767, So I'll definitely get out to the phone lines in just a moment here. But it was one of those games where I, I stepped into, I just finished our post-game coverage across the street over at Fox 32, myself and, and Luke Canellis. And as, as we were talking through things, I was saying, as I'm heading into the the TV studio, and as the game was still in the balance, I'm thinking, man, this is this is the potential for you know the the drum that I've been banging so much here for how the Bears' offense was operating, the the movement of the pocket, the calling Justin Fields into movement, into scramble opportunities, and using the read zone looks and at the mesh point and letting him put the defense in conflict. What he was doing as a runner, what he was doing as a passer, and that's just the tangible aspect of it. But then the intangible of knowing that his thumb is taped up, banged up flexing it over and over again. You, the, the shots of blood dripping from other fingers on that throwing hand as well, and him continuing to just work through that, seeming undaunted, unfazed by that. And then young players on defense, you know, not just the high-dollar guys like Tremaine Edmonds getting an interception or a second-year guy like Jack Sanborn with a sack or another linebacker with, with good money, T.J. Ed, Edwards. Not just those guys, but and certainly not just Montez Sweat with his first sack as a Chicago Bear, Javon Dexter. I think today was a respond moment from Javon Dexter with his best game as a Chicago Bear in his rookie season. Just consistently impactful penetration in the run phase. Great moves, not only on the interior of the Bears' defensive front, but out on the edge. I mean, he defeated Panay Sewell, one of the top young tackles in football, to get to the quarterback at one point that led to a punt for the Detroit Lions. So you saw Javon Dexter step forward, saw Tyreek Stevenson have a big game as well, a game where – you know, he's rotating in and out at times with Terrell Smith. But the first uh, big play he had, the interception that he got where you saw Jaquan Brisker and Sam Laporta run into each other, and Brisker kind of got the worst of that exchange between the two because neither one of them really seemed to see each other. And so they run into each other on an end cut that Laporta's running, and Jared Goff just cuts it loose. He's letting it, you know, letting it rip uh, in anticipation of Laporta being there at the spot. And because Laporta and Brisker ran into each other, then there's Tyreek Stevens in there. And, you know, yes, the quarterback kind of threw the ball right to him, but there's a presence of mind that it takes there to be ready to catch that football. That displays ball skills there where, as for him visually as the defensive back, watching the eyes of the quarterback, he's anticipating that those bodies that ended up colliding, that the tight end is going to be there. So it's a nice interception for Stevenson there. But then how about on kickoff coverage for him coming up with that big hit? And we've seen him be physical on the outside, being sort of an edge setter as a corner and coming up, making big hits as a tackler, whether it's via the pass or versus the run. We've seen him do that, but on kickoff coverage, a mammoth tackle that he lays on the Lions. Kick returner jarring the ball loose, so the Bears able to score off of that opportunity. So it's great to see young players for the Bears step forward and have big moments like that. But then all that gets lost in the team as a whole, finding yet another way late in game to lose a game and do so on the road. It went very quickly from being the best win that Matt Eberflus would have had as the head coach of the Chicago Bears to the most disappointing defeat that he has had as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. 
312-644-6767. I told you, I'm going to get to the phone lines here and make sure you guys have an opportunity to address what you saw in this game today. I believe I see Chris out there on a cell phone has been on hold for a bit. Chris, what's happening? Hey, how you doing? I'm great. Good. I, I just want to, I, I want to give more of a, I guess a, an appreciation for, for Justin Fields. I mean, I, I've watched him since he was at Ohio State, and I, I think a lot of what we've dealt with, with him is a out of sight, out of mind when he was hurt, when Bajan came in and everybody wanted to uh, replace Justin Fields with, with Bajan. My, my question with you is, how many quarterbacks in the league right now do you think on any given Sunday can give you 300 yards and four touchdowns passing or give you 100, yard, 100 yards rushing and 200 yards passing with t- a couple touchdowns? I mean, you, you don't have too many quarterbacks in the league that can do that. I think, Chris, that, that is a, a fair observation. I'll answer that question quickly. I want to get another, another caller or two in before I end up taking my first break uh, on the Post Post Show. But the, the peaks of Justin Fields are exceptional. And – the reason that I've consistently gone to the observation that that Luke Getze, his offensive play caller, needs to call him into movement more frequently is that at this point in Justin Fields' development, he still has a lot of room to grow as a pocket passer. But today, this game we saw in Detroit was an example of what I've continued to try and remind. Not only you, but at times I'm hoping maybe, you know, Bears coaches, Bears brass might be listening in, which I'm sure at times they do, that it's painfully obvious at this point that when he is called into movement, not just call a pocket-based passing attack and then count on him to scramble around, he's fine in those scenarios. But where, where it really unlocks his ability as a playmaker is when he is consistently called into movement. Now, 18 carries in the game, that's, that's more carries than I would like to see him consistently get. But part of that was because he – at the, at the mesh point, on that read zone, on some of the, the RPO-style looks that the Bears ran that he decided to keep. He decided to keep the football in his hands and sort of called his own number, quote-unquote, and did that pretty frequently on called runs. But also the misdirection, the called movement of the pocket with sprints, with boots, boots where a blocker is there to, to help protect the edge so Justin Fields, he's turning his back to the defense, doesn't have some free rusher on a what we term as naked bootleg where there's no blocker out there on the edge and you're just hoping the edge defender will just chase that look, that, that stretch zone look in one direction. You're hoping the defender chases that. We've seen frequently enough now, the defenders are more concerned with Justin Fields getting to the edge than they are on that inside zone look or the, the dive look, the stretch zone that goes the opposite way. Defenders are going to honor Justin Fields. So I thought today Luke Getze was very effective, whether it was sprint, whether it was misdirection, whether it was bootleg, but it wasn't always a naked boot. And Justin Fields had at least a, an additional blocker to make sure there's someone getting a piece of that edge defender from the Lions. That frequently enough, it was Aiden Hutchinson. And just making sure that he has a second to turn his eyes and evaluate the coverage and then either decide he's going to tuck the football and run it or make a big play down the field. And I thought he was really effective in that regard. I thought for the bulk of the game, Luke Getze was really effective in that regard. How many quarterbacks can do that? The skill set of Justin Fields is unique in that regard. That's a part of what these next seven games, to me, is a part of that evaluation of how consistently can he put that together, that level of 
of multi-dimensional playmaking. You know, not only the legs, but the arms, the reads. I feel like we're starting to see that more and more when Luke Getze calls the game this way. One of the stats that my guy Fish Business, Kevin Fishbane, that he wrote about in The Athletic a few weeks back, those back-to-back games against Denver and against Washington, the total was nearly 20 times that Justin Fields was called into movement. And then they came home and faced the Minnesota Vikings, and he was called into movement one time before getting hurt and leaving the game against the Vikings. He looked hesitant. You know, we, we see where his growth as a pocket passer, as a full field reader, still has a lot of room to grow. But today's game plan I thought was exceptional. The, the continual mixing of misdirection of pocket movement and with some, some dominance in the run game in certain ways with the physicality of their offensive line up front. Nate Davis, yes, got beat once or twice in pass protection. Detroit's a, a talented front seven on defense. They're going to get theirs. I thought Nate Davis was moving people. Nate Davis with Darnell Wright collectively on the right side, I thought really played well for a lot of that game also. So the Bears were able to move people at the point of attack till you got to that final drive, first down, run inside, nothing. Second down, run inside, nothing. And then third and nine, the deep shot to Tyler Scott, and they're just you know a fingertip away from connecting there. But that has been a familiar refrain. So to be fair, that is on the resume of Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears offense on the whole because this is you know, one of the unfortunate parts of this is that it's another moment where when you just evaluate exactly what Justin Fields did and you go back to whether it was the Pittsburgh game from his rookie year or the Green Bay game from his rookie year, the San Francisco game from his rookie year, or last season against Minnesota, or last season against um, but last season against Washington. You know, there, there are frequent examples of where it feels like if you just evaluate Justin Fields, what's happening late in game, all right, it seems like he's carrying out his duties. You know, it looks like he's doing what he's supposed to do and a teammate lets him down. And yes, he's had late turnovers and everything else. But that is a part of his resume where he has been the starting quarterback and they haven't come through. The offense, the team today, certainly the defense, hasn't come through in the fourth quarter when necessary. So we can't completely divorce Justin Fields from whatever responsibility is in that. But on the whole, evaluating today in a vacuum, I thought Luke Getze for most of the game was really good. I thought Justin Fields overall was excellent in the game today. But yet and still, the Bears end up losing where, for whatever reason, the defense, the secondary. I want to get into more detail on the secondary later on. Hey, let me get one more caller in, Tyler Butabal, before I get to my first break. We got CJ, who is out in Waukegan, who wants to talk about what he saw from the Bears today. What's up, CJ? How you doing, man? You're doing a marvelous job on the show, man. Appreciate that, sir. I, I, just, I just wasn't going to say one thing about today's game. Uh, it's, it's a recurring fact. You kind of spoke on it, like going back against the Bucks, the, the three screen plays in a row when you got such a talented guy who gets out in the open and, you know, opens up receivers off of that if they can't beat their man. But I'm not going to make this a Justin Fields thing. My main concept is this. Bear fans, they say bear down. This isn't a season meant for us to win. It's meant for us to grow. And when you're a football coach or general manager, whatever, when you're drafting, you draft the best. All this quarterback controversy, no quarterback controversy. You don't have a team yet. You got two quarterbacks that can actually play good enough to do what you're trying to do right now. And that draft, that first pick or second pick should be Marvin Harrison Jr. You need a game changer to bring to this team, a guy that's going to bring a winning attitude and a hard work ethic. One more thing for, I I know you guys got to get out of here. I've never heard the, uh, what is the um, offensive line coach? Like other teams, they represent their coaches when you're watching the game on NBC or Fox or Channel 2. You hear about all the coaches that's on the team. I never hear about the Bears coach. It's like they got the, the towel guy uh, coaching the offensive line and uh, 
uh, other guys, just fire the whole staff, personally. <laughs> I like Eberflus. I like Eberflus. I really do. But I think we've outgrown him for the fact that, okay, we've done enough losing. Now you need somebody to come in and bring a winning mentality here. I want to keep his defense because I've always been a fan of the 4-3 in Chicago because of what the guys like Erlach and Briggs did. And Alex Brown, let me not forget about him. But the the change needs to come from upstairs. All right, I appreciate that, CJ. Yeah, you, you got a lot in there in that call. And, you know, in favor of keeping Justin Fields, passing on a quarterback, maybe get Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State. You know, there's six more games of, of evidence, of data points that the Bears will have a chance to evaluate, that you, CJ, and, and certainly other Bears fans will have a chance to evaluate. I'm confident there are some of you out there that look at the result of the game today and say, well, this is just the latest time where Justin Fields didn't come through. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that is a completely invalid point of view. I, I may disagree with that because it's, as tends to be the case with me, I'm Captain Context. That is my superpower. It is far more nuanced than that when we evaluate these situations, yet and still, yes, his resume, his and the Bears' record in moments like this is abysmal as he's been the quarterback of the Bears, so it is a part of his resume. What ends up being tasked for the Bears brass and others around the National Football League is to figure out if what we saw today at Ford Field, I think the, the caller, the previous caller, Chris, was kind of speaking to this a little bit, if what we saw from that guy, that quarterback between the mobility, the arm talent, the the conflict that he causes to opposing defenses, the playmaking, man, the leadership, the, the toughness, all the, all those things that folks are, are watching play out there and say, can, can we do something with that? If, you know, if, if we put him in a game where, you know, and defense got four takeaways, well, defense and special teams got four takeaways. Offense didn't capitalize on all of those. You know, maybe the ball is being taken out of his hand. Later, I'm going to talk about, some of those uh, decisions where, you know, certainly part of the conversation is whether or not Luke Getze and Matty Bufus got too conservative late in the game. But, man, when you watch the way he executed the quarterback position today, folks around the National Football League who just no doubt look at that and say, we, we can do a lot with that. If the Bears are done with that by the end of the season, then there will be a lot of people very excited to add not just the physical gifts, but there is plenty of film of Justin Fields executing the position of quarterback at a very high level. The record, though, is awful, and that does matter. I'm not going to say that that's eliminated from the conversation. 312-644-6767. I'm Anthony Heron. My guy Tyler Butabal on the ones and twos. We'll take a quick timeout, come back, get to more of your phone calls in the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Just finish. Um, like I said, the deep ball to Tyler, he's got to lock in and run through that. And defense, you know, I talked to, you know, TJ after the game, and he said it to me, like, the matter of the fact is we can't let up 12 points in the last however so minutes there were in the game. So, um, you know, just finishing, finishing, and, um, you know, when it comes down to it, just making plays. So you can't really explain it. You kind of just got to go out there and do it, to be honest with you. So, yeah. You know that voice by now. That's QB1, Justin Fields. Another disappointing defeat. Chicago Bears losing to the Detroit Lions. Discussing it with you until Sunday night football coverage here on The Score. I'm Anthony Heron. This is the Post Post Show. Taking you up to the Denver Broncos hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Four and five hosting six and four. So we'll see what this other opponent from the Bears division, who the Bears will face the next week on Monday night football. But Detroit now at eight and two with a fairly sizable lead that might be growing depending on the result of tonight's game. But eight and two, you, you see why the Lions are who they are, who they've become, who I termed it as who the Bears want to be when they grow up. Frankly, you know, when you think of Dan Campbell, not thought of as he wasn't a coordinator on either side of the ball, not thought of as some exceptional strategist on each side of the ball. He is a guy who is a culture builder as a head coach in his approach to things. And he has certainly built a culture in Detroit where it is not all on the shoulders of the quarterback. Jared Goff. Goff had his worst game of the season by a fairly wide margin. Yeah, he threw for 236, three interceptions in the game, a couple of touchdown passes, but in those critical moments where late in the first half, they're looking to get points on the board, they're able to execute and do that against the Bears' defense. And then certainly those last two possessions late in the game, especially not even the final and decisive touchdown for the Lions, but the touchdown before that were just over a minute came off the clock, six play, 75-yard 75 75-yard 75 drive. I think it was like a, a minute 16 to make that happen. And the touchdown pass that Goff ends up throwing to uh, Jamison Williams, I mean, that was just – I wouldn't even call it bad communication. It was just bad landmarks, bad spacing between Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson. Probably, I, I would say, maybe Jalen Johnson's worst game of the season, I believe. And when you think of multiple dropped interceptions that he had opportunities for on that first touchdown drive, the Lions had where he he drives on a route, plants that foot, reads it perfectly. It was a trips formation. He dissects exactly what's going to happen. He drives on a route, could have had a, a 90-plus yard interception return for a touchdown that would have immediately, very quickly, made it a two-score margin for Chicago to have a lead at that point. And then later on a miscommunication between Sam Laporta and Jared Goff, where it would have been a, a gimme, you know, a gift wrap sort of interception that, you know, he kind of, of course, lost his footing a little bit and wasn't able to come up with that grab either. Who knows? I wonder if that factors into a little bit where when you have a two-score lead in the fir- fourth quarter, as a defender, as a defense as a whole, you're hoping that time will run off the clock. You're trying to force them to drive the long field and – the more conservative approach when there's a levels concept that, that the Lions seem to be running there with two, two receivers working on, on what eventually one of them ended up being an outbreaking route and then one of them uh, worked more towards the, the shallow end of things. And, you know, the, the spacing was bad. 
Jalen Johnson wasn't nearly as deep as he should have been, and it ended up being a, a fairly easy throwing catch from Goff to Williamson on a drive that happened far too quickly, far too easily. Matt Eberflus addressed that a bit after the game. So it's unfortunate, and that's kind of the balance. That's the ebb and flow. You know, you rarely have a game where everyone plays exceptionally well, where everyone is at their peak. I talked about a couple of the young defenders. Javon Dexter played probably his best game as a Bear. We've seen Tyreek Stevenson continuing to emerge more and more in recent weeks, playing better and better, and he had two impactful takeaways for the Bears today. Well, at the same time, you can make case Darnell Wright was exceptional for most of the game today. And then the Bears offense gets the ball with well under a minute to go. A couple of timeouts, though. You're just hoping maybe they can, when trailing by three, can at least complete a few chunk passes with timeouts remaining and drive into field goal range. And then on the very first snap, Darnell Wright, when he's been pretty much locking down Aiden Hutchinson, whether it's been with chip help or one-on-one, he was left one-on-one frequently throughout the game and did his thing against Hutchinson and – on that moment, Aiden Hutchinson, who hadn't had a sack in whatever it was, 230-something snaps of, of pass rush or something like that. But when he had a chance to close the show, he certainly closed the show, and it was beating Darnell Wright one-on-one. 312-644-6767. I see Jason out there in South Holland's been on hold for a bit. Jason, what's happening? You're on the Post Post Show. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing great. Uh, good. Just had a comment. Um I'm a avid Bears fan, go to the games, home and away. I'm a road warrior, all the away games. You know, I just, I'm just, it's frustrating to see Justin get pelted uh, in the media. You know, him still needing to prove himself. We won three games last year. We had three games this year. And I feel like all six of those games we can account for is because of his raw talent. Like, why is it that he still needs to prove himself when he's making all the throws when he's not looking in the ceiling? He's making all the throws. I mean, this guy is not – he's not perfect. I mean, if you look at his record – Now, Jay, Jason, I, I, should, I should point out, because I know there's some folks listening in who, who are thinking two of the wins this season, Tyson Bajan was a starting quarterback. So you can't credit those two to, to Justin Fields when he wasn't out there. He was injured. I, I get that, and that, that, that that's the second part. Like, I want that on the record. <laughs> you you bring that up, and that's that's a good point because we call in two different games. Like, why is our quarterback the only mobile quarterback in the league where we're designed running 18 times a game? Like, why is he running it just as much as the running backs? But to get back to my point, again, he he still needs to prove all this stuff why aren't we talking about how Matt Eberflus' coaching staff hasn't beaten any team in this division in two years? Why aren't we talking about running the ball at the end of the game? You run the ball right up the middle two or three times at the end of the that Like, why are we so conservative on the road? Why do we kick so many field goals? Like, we're on the road against the best team in the division. Like, we need to make some tough calls. But again... It's just just it's Justin's fault that the defense gave up 14 points in three minutes. It's Justin's fault that he called the worst plays at the end of the game. Like that's all. That's my comment. I'm just right. like, why aren't we talking about the coaching staff as opposed? I know the game is ultimately played on the field, but he can only play 
play the plays that are being called. Like he can't audible. They don't trust him. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it, Jason. It's a it's a good call. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Let's sneak another one in here before my final timeout of this hour. I see Jack is out in Arizona. Jack, you've been on hold for a minute. Postpone show. What's happening, Jack? Yeah, uh, I've been a Bear fan when when Sid Lutton was quarterbacking. Oh wow! <laughs> so I hope. Yeah, I'm. I'll, I'll be 84 years old next month. Um, me and Dick are the same age. His birthday is October 18th. I'm right. December 28th. Yeah. Love so you. I've been a Bear fan. I don't even look my age. All right. I look 20 years younger. There right? we go. Uh, <laughs> I've been. I live up at Wrigley Field all my life. Now I live in Arizona, and I still got my building over there. But beside the point, here's what here's what's happening. He should. The coach should fire himself. Period. That that's cut and dry. No questions asked. Another thing, the the guy before me, he says, why did he run the ball in the middle for, uh, towards the end of the game? That's that that's crazy. We we have to. He's got to roll out and and make some plays out outside of the you know either either end. You can't run the plays up the middle. I mean, we're not getting nowhere up the middle. We have to uh, extend our plays outside and then throw the ball a little bit. Uh, this is towards the end of the game. You're just uh, giving the game back to Detroit again, and that's what happened. Jack, exceptional call. Really appreciate you making it. Octogenarian Bears fan out in Arizona. Thank you so much for listening to the Post Post Show. And, yes, that's where I was talking with Luke Canellis about this a bit over on Fox 32, and we did our post-game live coverage. The, the term that you, Lou, Lou, used was conservative for Luke Getze and whether it's Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus, whatever that communication is on the headset going into those scenarios because there's an opportunity there for the Bears to still ice the game. You know, as we're watching everything play out and you're seeing, all right, this Detroit offense, you know, they've, they've got some things rolling here. That previous series, like I mentioned, I think it was six plays, and and 75 yards in just over a minute off the clock where, yeah, a minute, 16 seconds. And the Bears' defense, I mean, their main job is just to make sure. I mean, yeah, you'd love to just stop them cold and allow no points. But if you are going to allow any points after the Bears had just had an over an eight-minute drive to kick a field goal and secure a two-score lead there, then defensively, just make it take a long time. You know, just tackle them in bounds. Make sure you are deep as the deepest, deeper then the deepest is just in a position where nobody is getting behind you into the end zone. And that was when Jared Goff looked his most comfortable late in the first half, the last two drives of the actual game itself, where they were going no huddle. And it was just him and Amon Ross St. Brown, a few dump downs to David Montgomery. And then here's Jameson Williams in the back corner of the end zone, just streaking. And we know how fast he is if you watch him in college, but just streaking beyond to the Bears best coverage players. I mean, Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson, if there's anyone in a coverage responsibility on this Bears roster, you would want it to be one of those individuals. It was both of them. And right there was just awful landmarks and just a recognition of the situation from a couple of veterans there. You would imagine that that one of them, if not both of them, would be in better shape in that situation just to not allow the ball to be thrown over their head in that moment. But they did. And to uh, – to Jack's point, uh, before I take a time out here, just about the the play calling at the end. I didn't 
part of what they're trying to, you know what, I'll, I'll take a timeout. Let me get this timeout in. And I'll give you my, my very specific opinions on exactly how that played out. Love to hear your thoughts as well on the play calling with the Bears' final drive before, well, second to last drive of the Bears' offense before uh, Detroit ended up getting that decisive sack by Aiden Hutchinson. But there was the ball with the Bears' offense and a chance to ice the game in what we term as four-minute offense mode. They were not able to make it happen. I know a lot of folks have seen it on social media, looking at it here on the text line, and we've already had a caller about it at 312-644-6767. The play calling there did seem to get conservative, certainly got condensed. I'll give my thoughts on it in a more specific fashion next year. The Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We're back with more of the Scores Bears post post game show with Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Football coverage certainly continuing throughout the evening here. I'm taking you up to Sunday night football coverage between the Broncos and the Vikings. Of course, tomorrow, tune in all day Monday for Reaction to Bears versus. The Detroit Lions, Chuck Swirsky, or I'm sorry, Gabriel Mears will be live overnight from 12 to 5, followed by Mully and Haw, Bernstein Holmes, and Parkinson Spiegel throughout your workday. Hang out with us on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank and It's Not a Game, Illinois.com. All of it can be heard on 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. 312 644 6767. Exceptional calls so far on the post post show. We get another one in before I take my final time out of this initial hour, and we'll come back at the top of the following hour. I see David out there in Edwardsburg, Michigan. David, what's happening? Hey, David, you there? 
All right, we lost David. Let's sneak a different one in here before we go to break then. Is that George out in St. Charles? George on the Post Post Show. Yeah. How you doing, man? I'm great. Uh, hey, I just wanted to agree with you that this is not on Justin Fields. He played a great game, and I'm thinking it's more on Matt Eberflus and that defense that I saw in the fourth quarter was just not up to par. Uh, what do you think? I, I think that's definitely, I think that's valid, George. And I, you know, I, I don't want to completely, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like Justin Fields is, is perfect week in and week out. Today's game was not on Justin Fields. The next, today was the first of seven opportunities that a health and ju- healthy Justin Fields will have to sort of, to at least try and make it a conversation again about whether or not he's going to be the the quarterback of the future with the Bears. Now, in the end, I said this uh, the other day. I think it was when I was in with uh, with Danny, with Parkins. I filled in for Speaks. Just Fields is going to have a whole lot of suitors if, if the Bears do decide to move on from him. But the Bears are in a unique situation here because they will have another very high draft pick, multiple very high draft picks in this cycle, and a – a quality quarterback class to try and decide upon whether or not they think it's worth bringing in a rookie or sticking with Fields. But for Justin Fields, is is what we saw today, is what we saw today from Justin Fields, all the playmaking ability, the natural gifts, the field generalship, all those things on display tangibly, and then also the intangible. Another example of his toughness. We heard Matt Eberflus use the word grit. He was talking about the team as a whole, but – you know, a quarterback with his throwing thumb that he dislocated a little over a month ago, having that bandaged up. And then I thought, you know, Fox, you know, having Adam Amin and Mark Slayer there, they did an exceptional job just catching and showing. Man, it, there's blood dripping from his throwing hand as well in the first half. He's undaunted by that. He's just doing his thing, playing through it the entire way. So there's a lot to be really excited about while yet and still it's another loss with Justin Fields as the starting quarterback also. So there's no way to assume that that is a non-factor as Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles and just the Bears' senior management as they evaluate that and determine whether or not they feel he should continue on as the starting QB because the losses continue to mount. But, man, it, it's, it's beyond tantalizing to look at what Justin Fields not only has the potential for, but when Luke Getzey calls the game like that, what he's beginning to do on a consistent basis as your QB, as a touchdown maker, as a guy who continues to put the defense in conflict. So I'm not going to act like it should be an easy choice for the Bears because they're not winning with Justin Fields, but they're not losing because of Justin Fields either. So there's a lot that Bears brass will have to continue balancing here. I do want to take a time out and get into more specifics on the defense, though, because it was a unique game in a number of ways. There was so much positive from the Bears defense, but, man, was there some negative as well. We'd love to keep feeling your calls on it also at 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. I'm Anthony Heron, my guy Tyler Butabaugh on the ones and twos. This is the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, first and foremost, it was um, Yahoo gave me the ability to go in and have enough confidence to score, and I did that. Um, but I couldn't do it without my line and the boys around me, really. Um, it was really an open hole. Um, it's been like that since I've been here, and I appreciate those guys for that. Um, and I knew uh, it had to happen, and we was able to come down with a touchdown, and we were able to get the win, too. We're back with more of the Scores Bears post-post game show with Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, always live on the free Odyssey app. Forgive my ignorance. Is there a player on the Detroit Lions named Yahoo? Is, is someone nicknamed Yahoo? I don't know. They're, they're, maybe it's an assistant coach. Maybe the running backs coach. Nickname is Yahoo. I don't know. David Montgomery can be a, a bit of a, a goofball at times, so I'm sure maybe that's just some goofy pet nickname he has for someone there in Detroit. I have no idea who Yahoo is, but I, I believe he credited Yahoo with providing him with the, the confidence to, to get that touchdown run there. Uh, that sound uh, credit to uh, who, who was that? Who was that, Tyler? NFL Network. Thank you to the NFL Network for that sound from now current Lions running back David Montgomery, former Bear, as you may be aware. I'm Anthony Heron. This is Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score taking you up to Sunday night football coverage between the Minnesota Vikings and the Denver Broncos. Broncos hosting the Vikings. That'll be a great game you'll be able to hear on the score. And then after that ends, shortly thereafter, Make sure you tune in all day Monday for reaction to Bears vs. Lions. Gabriel Mears will be live overnight from 12 to 5, followed by Mully and Haw, Bernstein and Holmes, and Parkins and Spiegel throughout your work day. I'll be on with Dan and Lawrence at 11 a.m. as I always am on Mondays after Bears games. So hang out with us on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank and It's Not a Game Illinois.com. All of it can be heard on 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. Phone lines lit up here, 312-644-6767, 312-644-6767. Going to get back to some callers in a moment here, but I did tell you I wanted to touch on some things from the Bears' defense because we've had a couple of callers talking about some of those things, some of those breakdowns, and certainly some of the coaching decisions I want to get into later on in my time with you here as well. We've had some good callers talking through some of that also. But, you know, told you earlier in the, in the previous hour here, very impressed with Justin Fields. Very impressed with most of what Luke Getze did. So I'll get into some of the conservative play calling that was there at the end and my thoughts on that. But Bears defense, I think the, the Tez effect, as it was termed by Flus, Matt Eberflus calling it the Tez effect. I think that was in, in full effect for a lot of that game. The Detroit Lions offensive line is stellar. They've put a lot of draft capital and a lot of financial capital into guys across the board up there and I thought the Bears D-line you know just relative to expectations relative to ability I really thought they answered the bell a lot in that game you know it wasn't a game that the Bears D-line dominated up front certainly not 
in the way that they did against the Carolina Panthers, but it's just a much better, more well-rounded, more versatile offense and a much more talented offensive line. So, I mean, they're going to get theirs in the game. 115 rushing yards overall for Detroit. David Montgomery had 12 carries for 76. Jameer Gibbs had eight carries for 36. Each had a rushing touchdown in the game. Amon Ross St. Brown was, was who he is. He's just so exceptionally difficult to to stick with because he's strong off of his release. So if you try to press him, even though he's not a big receiver in stature, I tweeted out an image from when Amon Ross St. Brown was coming out of high school, and I call the All-American Bowl every year for NBC. He was one of the players we had in that game when he was coming out of high school on his way to USC. And so he's not a big guy in stature. You can look at him on my on my social media profile, at Big Ann Heron. You can look at him standing next to me. He's not a big guy at all, but very strong guy. They talked about it a bit, Adam Amin and Mark Slareth. You, know, you may have already heard the story about his dad, he and Equinemius St. Brown, of course, brothers, uh, but their dad was a power lifter, and he's always had those guys, both of them very physically mature, even at the high school level. So Amon Ra, a very strong guy, very crafty route runner, sure-handed, as sure-handed as they get, very strong hands. And so whenever Jared Goff wasn't certain where to throw the football, he either threw it to a bear or he threw it to Amon Ra, you know, when he wasn't throwing it over over the top of somebody's head to, uh, to Jamison Williams. But, you know, you saw Amon Ra St. Brown doing his thing. But I thought the Bears' defensive front, the Tez effect, where Montez swept, is not just one of these naturally sort of slick, fluid, slippery pass rushers. He's mostly a power rusher. He's a big and a really athletic guy, especially in in straight line speed. And so there's a lot to like about that. But what I love that really seems to be impacting the rest of the defensive front is just the energy that he plays with. It seems to me that that's rubbing off on the rest of the Bears' D-line. I don't think that... Guys weren't playing hard early in the season. But the way you're seeing the D-line chasing the ball, like Montez Sweat certainly does that in his own right. But you're seeing other guys on this Bears D-line chasing the ball from one side of the formation to the other, being involved in the action in that way, making avoid moves to penetrate into the backfield. I've just, you know, just got tired of banging that drum so much throughout the first half of the season. Just Why do they just keep running into guys over and over again? And it can be frustrating when you have a quarterback like Jared Goff who gets the ball out of his hands so quickly and just over and over again when they throw the football on the Lions with a good run game, a run game that they're willing to call on a frequent basis. So you want to hit blocks up front. Bears run defense has been quality this season. But then to convert into pass rush moves is not an easy thing because when the offense shows you run, their offensive line kind of fires off, fires out at you on a play-action opportunity. And then it's difficult because you can end up stuck down the middle of the offensive lineman, and you've engaged them down the middle, so it makes it easier for the offensive line to hold you, to grab you. And so when you're trying to get off of that, when you're trying to release and get to the edge, get to the side of the lineman, when you start off down the middle and you engage them down the middle, then it's far easier for them, especially when they fire out of their stance like frequently happens in play action. You want to meet force with force. I think we see growth of the Bears' D-line where they're converting from that initial you know, hitting of blocks, that that run temperament and converting that into some pass rush. Montez Sweat is good at that, and I think you're seeing a lot of the Bears' D-line get better at that as well. And Javon Dexter, when they get him on the move, whether it's been in some run scenarios here as of late and certainly in in the game today, not only rushing the quarterback from the interior, but there was a really great rush he had 
lined up as a left defensive end with a nice counter club back inside against Panay Sewell. This was, in my opinion, the best game Javon Dexter has played as a Bear, and it's great to see that. You hope he continues to build off of that. Just like I was talking earlier about Justin Fields needing to stack performances, build off of what we saw from him today. Luke Getze as the Bears' play caller, offensive coordinator, needing to continue to build off of this, in my opinion, and continue this same type of play calling with the, the constant misdirection, movement of the launch point, calling the occasional shot play, good balance, run and pass. Uh, for the most part, Luke Getze did his thing today until the end of the game. So the, the subsequent drive that kind of ended up deciding the game, and I'll get back out to the phone lines in a moment, at 312-644-6767. The, the term more conservative, I, I think conservative works. I don't mind the idea that the Bears ran the football because what you're hoping to do when you still have the lead late in the fourth quarter, what Matty Rafluse and Luke Getzey, I'm sure, talked about and what the Bears offense, you rep this every Thursday and or Friday. These late game scenarios, whether it is two-minute offense when you're trailing and frequently you practice being trailing backed up, let's get our two-minute drill going. Let's execute this, go through these late game situations. You also will work on four-minute if you have the lead late in the fourth quarter and you need to salt the game away. You need to run the clock out. How do you do that? in these four-minute offense scenarios. That's what the Bears were attempting to do. And in the end, with that drive where the score was 26-21, Bears had a five-point lead, and they ran 26 seconds off the clock. They got the ball with about three minutes to go, and they didn't even run 30 seconds off the clock. What they're hoping to do, you, you want to be the last team with the ball. You get it with three minutes to go, yeah, we call it the four-minute drill or four-minute offense. However much is left when you get to the latter stages of the fourth quarter, you're paying attention to the clock. You're going to let the play clock tick down, and you want to eventually be the last team with the ball. You want to gain first downs. You want to do it in a very controlled fashion, not put the football in harm's way. Hopefully, as you run the football, the opponent has to utilize their timeouts. With that final drive that had about three minutes to go, and the Bears get the football back after that really quick six-play, 75-yard touchdown drive from the Lions, it made it a five-point margin. What they're hoping to do as, as they run the football forced Detroit to use timeouts, which they did. So I didn't mind the idea of running the football. What I minded was just running it up into the teeth of the defense. There was so much success throughout the bulk of the game getting Justin Fields to the edge. Two plays in a row between the tackles. Detroit uses timeouts. No time ticks off the clock. We've seen examples this season where Justin Fields, in late-game scenarios, will slide, stay in bounds, the clock continues to run. He, you know, he was in command of things for a lot of that game. There's no reason to think that Justin Fields would do something ill-advised, especially as a runner in that scenario. If you get him on the move toward the wide side of the field, maybe he can get to the edge. Maybe you do give him a run-pass option. And, yes, there will be plenty of questions if you attempt to pass there. You call some sort of an RPO where he's got the option to throw it and it's incomplete, and the clock stops, that would be worthy of question as well. But just to have the, the play called where it ends up being a run on the first two snaps into the teeth of the defense, I would have liked to have seen Justin Fields called to get to the edge in some way and still have it be the run be the most likely result there of him keeping it maybe, but to, to just hand it and run it into the teeth of the defense. That, that, I thought, was the part that was too conservative, in my opinion. I didn't mind the run play. I would have preferred they ran different plays 
uh, in running the football there is my opinion. 312-644-6767. We'll make sure I get a few more calls in here as we're taking you up to Sunday night football coverage. Gene is down in Dallas with some thoughts on what we saw today. What's happening, Gene? What's going on, Big Ant? Appreciate the insight, man. Hey, uh, let me just throw a, a couple of things out there. I don't want to take too long. So my, my first thing I want to want to just throw out there, I, I coached a lot of kids, high level, so I won't tell you a lot about it, but I'll say this. Um, everyone that thinks that uh, the next Joe Burrow is in the draft or he, he's around the corner and, and, and just puts all these quarterbacks in boxes and, and want perfection, that's not reality. Justin is a very, very serviceable quarterback with what the Bears um, are trying to deal with. So my thought on Justin, uh, as far as a quarterback in the future, I really hope the Bears do invest more in um, a left tackle as well as another offensive weapon. Marvin Harrison will look great on this team. Um, I say this just because – Everyone is so is so quick to just turn on the man, and it, it, it's a negative conversation. So I'm, I'm going to say this about, about what I've seen over the last few years. I've seen a team that, that, that's been void of talent all around. I've seen an inconsistent offensive line as well as defensive line. So when people start talking about the winning and Justin hasn't won, you have to also consider what he was working with prior to this year. And, and how the team concept hasn't been been um, uh, adapted to, to what Justin does. And I'm going to give you this. So you, everyone's on this T.J. Stroud thing. He's successful right now because uh, D'Amico, he's going out there running pretty much a college-type system where, where he's allowing him to do the same things he did at Ohio State and not have to do too much. Caleb Williams, one thing I noticed about Caleb, Caleb has the same issue that, that Justin seems to have, but Caleb is not Justin. I, I'm just letting you be known. Caleb has issues with reading half man, half zone field. And so the last few games, people have, have started kind of mixing it up, and the more athletic teams in the Pac-12, had, uh, they, they just have objected to him. So I, I, just, I just wouldn't get too quick to, to dump Justin because – the Bears fans, you know, and I'm a diehard Bears fan. They want to go back to the Bob Avellini days, and those days I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to think about it. I just want. I, I want my offense and my offensive coordinators to make a game plan around what we have, not what we hope to have. And then, as far as the game today, the play calling got real conservative. When, when the Bears were up six, that running up the middle uh, with the sneak, I wasn't in agreement with that. I was like, okay. You, it's third and one. Why are we going directly up the middle? And then the next, the next time when we went up to twelve, they did the same thing. They did, Gene. They did, and it's um, you know, the the tush push has become so popular. I appreciate the call, Gene, especially from way down in Dallas. It's become really popularized around not only professional football because of the success that the Philadelphia Eagles began having with it last season, but we see it at the college level now as well. Teams who didn't even have it barely had a QB sneak in their playbook. Because they're so shotgun based. Now you see them getting under center and you know having their their tight ends and running backs over there just shoving the quarterback from behind, and it gets really effective. It does. The game I had over the weekend, I had uh, yesterday, I had Michigan State and Indiana, and both teams had their own versions of the tush push that they ended up using or the brotherly shove, you know, whichever term we're going to use for those. And 
you know, it's it's in the playbook. It works well. Even when Tyson Bajant was in there, they had Cole Komet, that play that everybody hates where Cole Komet gets under center as opposed to the quarterback. They didn't have Tyson Bajant over there, you know, to, getting tush-push. They actually put Cole Komet back under center and had other people tush-pushing on Cole Komet. It worked well there. So, I mean, you know, it's one of these things where on, on third and one, fourth and one, I thought there was a, an initial fourth and two where the Bears threw the football out into the flat. Justin Fields from within the pocket made a great read, an accurate throw. We saw a, a third and medium. I think it was a third and five on a drag route where um, Khalil Herbert came out of the backfield. And credit to Khalil Herbert, and it's one of those things where back during his rookie season and his second year when David Montgomery was still here and people were so frequently talking about Khalil Herbert and how he should maybe be on the field more than David Montgomery. And I was so quick to remind folks that he's not as good as most of the other things that David Montgomery's really good at. But Khalil Herbert, to his credit, has worked to improve at his pass protection, has worked to improve his route running. And on that third and five drag route that Justin Fields hit him on, not only was it, was it a, a really accurate pass by Justin Fields that hit Khalil Herbert in stride, but rookie Khalil Herbert might have double caught that pass, even as accurate as it was, but he did just sort of lightly have to extend his hands out. He caught it cleanly, immediately turned into a runner, and just narrowly moved the sticks for the first down as his momentum from the defender carried him beyond the sticks. But credit to Khalil Herbert just for the improvement that we're continually seeing from him in his Bears career. He's not as good a football player overall as David Montgomery, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't point out the improvement that he's making here as a running back for the Chicago Bears. Also, credit to the grit. We've been talking grit. Uh, throughout the show tonight because we heard that quote uh, from Matt Eberflus a little bit earlier in the post-post show. Deontay Foreman off of extended rest, a game that there was some question whether or not he'd be healthy enough to play in it. He went out there and with the, the bum ankle, had a touchdown run, had some really nice pickups in pass protection as Justin Fields is there climbing a muddy pocket at points early in the game. And part of that is the trust that he needed to have, not only in his offensive line, but in his running back, Deontay Foreman, who is not thought of as a guy who was an exceptional pass protector on the whole throughout his career, but he had some nice moments uh, in the game today, playing through injury, showing some guts and some grit. And that's one of the things that I think for the whole team, for that locker room afterwards, where you know what you put out there, what you put into this thing, what you put on film, so much of it was positive. And then, like Luke and Ellis uh, read the stat in our post-game coverage over on Fox 32 from, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of Jeff Joniak's, a statistician who's been with him for a long time. But it's the first time in NFL history that a team who controlled the football for over 40 minutes and had three interceptions, four takeaways on the hole, and a, and a lead in the fourth quarter found a way to lose the game. Bears made history today. Not positive history was made there. So it's, it's unfortunate that all those things, there's so much positive that's out there. Nate Davis back into the game, rolling people off the ball at times next to Darnell Wright. And just seeing all those moments, Dan Feeney getting his first really extensive action as a bear. And yes, in loud, hostile environment, there was actually a couple of questions on the text line about that, about why Dan Feeney went into the game as opposed to Cody Whitehair. You know, I think that's pretty simple. The QB center exchange is so important. And especially in that game today, in a hostile, a loud road environment, you can't have the snaps going all over the place. And frankly, even Lucas Patrick, had a few errant snaps back there, and Justin Fields was able to field them and, and still get the playoff. Uh, but Dan Feeney did have a few struggles that they showed on the telecast, just trying to get on the same page with the cadence between himself and Justin Fields. 
but from a blocking perspective, I thought Dan Feeney acquitted himself fine. And, you know, that's the reason, uh, Texters, that he was in there as opposed to, to Cody Whitehair. And it's, and it's unfortunate. But I think the five best blockers on the Bears' offense includes Cody Whitehair. But unfortunately, he's only really fit to play three positions for the Bears, either center or one of the two guards. And he's one of their best five blockers. But the two guards right now, Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis, they're both better blockers at this point in their career than what Cody Whitehair is at this point in his career. He's a better blocker than Lucas Patrick, but the snaps have just been too big of a problem for Cody Whitehair. So I do agree with the decision to, to have Lucas Patrick in there for now as opposed to Whitehair. And maybe at the next opportunity, I, I was surprised. I, I was a little bit surprised that it ended up being Dan Feeney who went in as opposed to Cody Whitehair, but I understand it. We've seen a lot of the Cody Whitehair struggle snapping the football. There was also another texter who was asking about uh, Braxton Jones, why he had to leave the game for a brief moment there. It appeared to me, and I don't know, I'm assuming either he or Matt Eberflus was asked about it afterwards. He seemed really upset because they'll have moments in a game where someone else from on high, they have a, an evaluator who believes that a player may show some sign that perhaps he's been concussed. And so they have an evaluator who's up in the booth somewhere who sees that. So my, my impression is that they saw something from Braxton Jones that they said, oh, we think he might have gotten dinged. There might be a neurological concern. So they forced him to leave the game. Larry Borm came in for a couple of snaps. Then Braxton Jones came back in. And you know, I thought it was another game where the offensive line as a whole played pretty well against a talented Detroit Lions front. Uh, that is the post-post show here on The Score. Thank you for all the callers who called in. And I know the, the phone lines are still lit up because of all the passions there from everything we saw today. There will be plenty of opportunity overnight and throughout the day tomorrow. Tune in all day Monday for reactions to Bears versus Lions. Gabe Ramirez will be live overnight from 12 to 5, followed by Mully and Haw, Bernstein and Holmes, and Parkinson Spiegel throughout your work day. Hang out with us on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank. And it's not a game, Illinois.com. All of it can be heard on 670 The Score and the free odyssey app i'm anthony heron next we will have sunday night football coverage here on the score between the denver broncos as they host the minnesota vikings the next opponent for the bears when they face the vikings on monday night football my thanks to all of you for listening for calling in my thanks to my guy tyler butaball on the ones and twos you will hear me tomorrow on the bernstein and home show at 11 and you will certainly hear all of our football conversation not only overnight but throughout that plumbers 911 bears monday right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.